Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast. podcast from the International Motorsports Association and Radio Show Limited. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission. Live from Trackside, this is IMSA Radio. It's IMSA Radio live from Daytona Beach, Florida. Hello there, this is John Hindorf. Beautiful sunshine, mid-twenties Celsius. And we are on Friday, which means we do have some racing for you. Uh, we've got plenty of action coming right across the weekend. But a race is next. And it's Shea Adam and Johnny Palmer to take you through all of the details. Ferrari Challenge on IMSA Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Ferrari Challenge for North America. This is round one of the 2015 season, live from Daytona International Speedway with IMSA Radio. We've already had plenty of sessions for the Ferrari Challenge North America with something like two hours and 15 minutes of practice. And just this morning, a second qualifying session, which did tend to jumble things up a little bit as far as tomorrow morning's race is concerned compared to today's. It'll be Ricardo Perez, though, that starts from the front row alongside Emmanuel Anassiz. Take you through the rest of the grid in just a moment. So it is Ricardo Perez on the front row with a 148.390 second lap. He'll start alongside the treble seven car, Emmanuel Anassis, 148.486. John Ferrano starts on the inside of the third row, his time 149.110. And alongside John will start Gregory Romanello in the 318 car. The third row, cars 55 and 23, 55 Scott Tucker and 23 Carlos Conde. Carlos Conde is the pole position driver in Trofeo Pirelli amateur class. James Whalen starts from the seventh spot alongside number eight Mike Zoy. And on the fifth row, cars 007 and 518, Robert Herjevic and Arthur Romanelli. Onto the sixth row, Alfred Caiola and Anthony Imperato starts uh, in the number 9 and 91 cars on the 6th row. The 7th row, 66 and 41. 66, Ross Garber and 41, John Baker. Next up, it's Damon Oki and Rich Beak, who didn't have a great qualifying session this morning, but at least does start from pole position for race one. Barry Zeckelman starting from 17th position in number 99 alongside Jean-Claude Sada. Brent Lawrence and Joe Courtney up next from 19th and 20th positions. Rodney Randall and Al Delatre start on 
the 11th row. 12th row, Dan O'Neill and Chris Cagnazzi. The 25th and 26th positions, Mark Kwame and Mark Muzo. And then we have Jackie Heinricher, Al Hedgie and Doug Peterson, who didn't set a time in qualifying yesterday in the 087 machine. Had that big moment heading into turn one, which it was a puncture, I seem to remember. And therefore, that car will start from the 29th position. So all being well, Shay Adam and Jim Roller, nice to have you, the two of you with us for this first race of the week. It seems an age uh, before we've reached this point, but nice to go racing finally. 45 minutes worth, 29 cars. It cannot be anything other than entertaining, I would suggest. It's Green Flag Day. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Today we get to see some real racing, and what a better way to start with some real sports cars. These Ferrari 458s, but almost 600 horsepower. Lots of torque. They're a lot of fun to drive, and they will put on quite a show for us today, I'm sure. And I th I'm really interested to see just how those top four cars get on together in the uh, Trofeo Pirelli class. Perez, Anassis, Fernaro, and Romanelli. I think they're going to have a cracker of a battle. It'll be a cracker of a battle between those first two into turn one because NSC, we only saw a race at three separate weekends last year, but on all three weekends, he brought home trophies from each race he did. And Ricardo Perez, the reigning champion, defending his title again this year, hoping to start it off strong. He did not do well at Daytona last year, well as, as well as he uh, followed up the rest of the season with. He'll be looking to start off strong this year as the cars coming out from their garage area now and getting ready to line up on the pit lane. It is a beautiful day for racing, gentlemen. It is very much so. I mean, I cannot believe that, you know, you, I didn't know weather existed on the planet in January uh, like this, quite frankly, <laughs> and that's a very kind of introspective view of the world, I know. Real, obviously, the sun has got to be out at some point. In now you world. know why so many of your countrymen come here in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> I've talked to Jeremy Shaw about that. You know, and I, he said that he came to the Daytona 24 Hours in 1980. I don't think he's been home since. No, I, <laughs> I don't think so. Although he I did know. pick the other coast to uh, make his permanent residence, but Jeremy uh, always appreciates no coming accounting to for taste. Twice. No, no, of course not. <laughs> he does find his way here in January and March, though, so you've got to give him credit for that. False grid just coming to a stop in front of us here on the front straight. Ricardo Perez in the beautiful Mexican flag liveried Ferrari or Italian flag, depending on your perspective, <laughs> with uh, Emmanuel Anasis in that gray machine just next to him uh, getting ready. Uh, Scott Tucker currently third on the uh, pit lane if you're looking out. The red Ferrari with the black front end, uh, Scott running the number 55. He is also one to watch here today in this race as maybe a dark horse favorite. Won the Daytona 24 Hours in the GTD category last year, also driving a Ferrari, so he knows his way around this track behind the wheel of a prancing horse prodded car. So cars still pouring out of the paddock. This is going to take a little bit of time to get the grid assembled, at least in pit lane. And then there will be one rolling lap, which will take a fair old time to complete before we are racing. And uh, having sat in on the driver's, driver's briefing a little bit earlier on, uh, I know that there is a definite rule that when the green flag flies, there is no overtaking prior to the line. And that's as we've become accustomed to, I think, uh, in motor racing through the years. However, when there's a, a restart, a full course yellow, and then a restart after that, the cars will start again in single file 
And as soon as you see the green flag, you can overtake, regardless of which side of the white line you are. And that is a slight change from the 2014 rules. Yeah, on the start, you can pull out of line a little bit. But you better not advance too far if you do. Well, the instruction was don't show any intent exactly. to change position. Exactly. Not only you cannot change position, but you can't even, yeah. you know, show any sort of insinuation that you might want to. So they are, I get the feeling from the briefing that they're going to police that pretty heavily. Together with this it's penalty over on the far side, you can talk about, about the start line in just a, in just a moment, Jim, but the, the, the back straight, the, the bus stop, yes. I hear that if you shortcut that, you've actually come to a dead stop. You need to come to a dead stop before you then rejoin. That's, exa that's exactly right, and I think that's a good rule. The start situation is a point of emphasis for uh, Chief Steward of all of these IMSA meetings, Bo Barfield. So I'm sure, as you said, they're going to be watching because that's been a topic of many meetings. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that'll be especially difficult for some of these drivers, given just how long they've waited. Jim, you said it's Green Flag Day. Just imagine these guys have been waiting since November for this date to come around. They're going to go racing at Daytona International Speedway, and they've got to just be patient for an extra couple of seconds. Oh, I don't know if they can do that. Once they've been let off the leash, they tend to run away, so... It'll be, Most uh, race car drivers do. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it'll be a true testament to the ones who are uh, more mentally trained, I think it's fair to say, as to who can actually wait to go when they are told to go. We've got uh, just about half the field now has come out onto the false grid. So we're just a few cars short of that. Didn't have much time for these guys in between sessions. Just about enough to clean the cars and maybe get all the uh, tire dust off the the wheel dust off but not a lot of time to do anything else between the last qualifying session and the race and thankfully in that uh, qualifying session a little bit earlier on we didn't have any major incident unlike uh, yesterday's session where doug peterson did have that problem in the 087 machine and has been on the back foot ever since really starts from the rear of the field it'll be interesting if he does make it out for the start of this race to see him progress potentially from his starting position of 29th. But he's got 45 minutes to certainly carve his way through the field as uh, as he can. But Ricardo Perez will have obviously been informed that he doesn't have pole position for tomorrow morning's race, so will be eager to, to push on in this one and make sure he gets maximum points to start his year well. And there's nothing like backing up a pole position with a win to take that confidence into tomorrow's race. He won't care that he doesn't have pole if he gets to party tonight with a nice shiny new trophy. So uh, that might help to ease his uh, sleep a bit. If he can come away today with a win, start the year off strong, get lots of points because this is a championship. This is not a one-off or two-off event where these guys actually have to go the whole year long. And their last event is Laguna Seca in November. So it is a very long year to think about if you do happen to lose that advantage at Daytona. You're on your back foot for the rest of the year. And that is not a comfortable position to be in. First three rows are set. Our front row of Perez and Anassis side by each now. Uh, as with the second and third rows, we're still uh, waiting as now uh, most of the field has come out of the collecting area and will be lining up and we should be underway very shortly. Just about enough time for a cappuccino between the two uh, events, <laughs> I'd say, actually. Maybe that's why some are a bit tardy coming out onto the 
pit lane, but they do have a given amount of time to get onto the false grid. Uh, and if they don't make it onto the false grid, they would have to start from the pit lane. So everybody will be eager to get into their starting position. Is that a martini livery Ferrari I'm seeing down there, Jim? The white with the uh, blue and red. Uh, I believe it is. Jim's the one with the binoculars. That's why I'm asking him. Beautiful, beautiful display of colors and liveries that we get to see, though, Johnny. It's not just all the red Ferraris out there, all, no. all the yellows. Well, it's a bit of a letdown for fans of red Ferraris. There's only two of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure what, what Marella, Maranello would think of that, but I'm sure that they uh, are counting the, the dollars, nevertheless. That's the, that's the number 24 car. That's a uh, Tafaro Pirelli Am car, Mark. Mark Kwame. Kwame. He's yeah, racing. From Columbus, Ohio, in the uh, Midwestern Auto Group Ferrari. He gets to race in the big show, as it is as well. He's mm -hmm. in the uh, Daytona 24. So this is a nice little warm-up for him, then. Get a bit of extra track time and spend some more time uh, doing training to try and get ready for such a long endurance race. And there's an argument out there that drivers aren't athletes, and it is absolutely the furthest thing from the truth because these guys are working hard. They are sweating. It's like running at a constant pace with your dance on the pedals, trying to go gas brake clutch. And uh, for a lot of these guys, the more fit you are, the better you tend to do and the less tired you are. So the more you can spend training behind the wheel of a car, it's better than just going out and, say, running a 5K. You're, you're getting more experience as well. Not to mention the G-forces and the banking on the neck. Just uh, lay on the side of your bed and put a laptop on the side of your head and just keep doing isometrics with that laptop. is about the weight of a helmet and everything else. Don't try that at home unless you have an old laptop that you don't want anymore. That hurts just, just thinking about. just a suggestion. About. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Alan McNish learned that the hard way. Oh, boy. Alan's here this weekend. Yes, Hello he is. Hello to Alan McNish, wandering the paddock. Here to support his uh, Audi brethren who are competing in the Tudor Championship. Rolex 24. Beautiful Which starts tomorrow, cars. about 10 minutes past the hour of 2 o'clock. More cars continuing to stream out from the Ferrari garage area. Doesn't look like we're missing that many, about uh, five more waiting to take their place on the false grid. And then they will be lined up. The drivers will be put back in their car if they happen to uh, meander away, which, which happens every now and then. You need to really shepherd them. Uh, and then they will be taken out on their one pace lap. And after that pace lap, the beautiful white Ferrari you were seeing just after the start-finish line down on the pit lane goes from being a pace car to being a safety car, which was a big distinction that you made sure we all knew, Mr. Roller. Yes, indeed. Marty Kaufman would be proud of you. You learned well, Grasshopper. <laughs> Bit of confusion as a yellow Ferrari is being pushed back on the false grid now to make room for a black one. That looks like the 41 uh, might have been trying to uh, take a spot that wasn't his. Two more forward on the grid. That's all right. He was found out by the marshals and put back in his place quickly. Yeah, the 87 car was uh, was pushed back to make room for the 41. Uh, and I think it was just uh, when the 87 appeared at the grid, he just kind of filled the gap. That was uh, Doug Peterson, the guy who had a bit of uh, a scare yesterday coming through the trioval when a tire blew and went straight on, leaving carbon shards in his wake. Um, caused never fun? No, no, and never a good thing for the other tires to follow behind him. But car has been fully repaired, and Doug was out in the morning session for qualifying two and ready to go for the race start. 
as many of us do, the first race of the year, working the kinks out, and that's what's happening here as we are setting our grid. I, uh, I believe we have uh, all of the cars now out onto the grid. Just glancing down the uh, the field to Copper Shell, Al Delatre, who went pretty well in this morning's session, will start from sixth place in Copper Shell, which will put him something like 22nd in the overall standings. Al's from Wilton in Connecticut. He has three passions in life, he says, his family, the technology industry, and cars. Well, we all kind of share uh, certainly the passion for family and cars, I'm sure. 26-year-old veteran of the high-tech industry. Can you be a veteran at 26 years old? I'm not sure whether that's possible. Anyway, Al, sir... You were. Was I? Yeah. Oh, I'm still trying to be a veteran now, to be honest. <laughs> it's, a life, it's a lifelong challenge. Um, Al's had... Until you hit my age. And, you know, <laughs> no, you're still trying to get, get there as well. Uh, Al has uh, held senior leadership posts as a consultant, executive in technology companies. Clearly, he, a very intelligent chap, but he likes to go racing as well. Uh, and cheering on his daughter in gymnastics competitions, another passion in life. Brent Lawrence in the number 14 car. This is Lawrence's third year in the Ferrari Challenge Series. He's married, a father of two, and uh, an avid Formula One fan living in Southern California. So he'll be looking forward to that round that supports the Canadian Formula One Grand Prix, no less, at Circuit Gilles Villeneuve a little bit later on in the season. Jim and I had each gone quiet there for a second as we were counting the number of cars on the I grid. We each got on. 28, and yeah. then Mike Zoy appeared from the garage, and now he is out on Mike the grid Mike Zoy has taken well. his position, and the pace car is pulling away. Does not have to wait very long to get to drive. Could that be uh, a minor advantage if he doesn't have to sit very long? No, not no, really. No, none whatsoever. Mentally for him, maybe. No, because probably he was in a panic to get out there, so oh. he'll be using the pace lap to catch his breath, I suspect. <laughs> Mike, in his first start in this series, won championships with other variations of Ferraris, but this is his first time in the 458. And uh, doing a pretty good job so far this weekend. We were watching him to maybe sneak pole this morning, but he came in third. We'll be starting third to in tomorrow morning's race, which is just after 9.30 in the morning. Should be similar conditions to what we're seeing today, maybe a bit cooler. But uh, I don't think anybody down there in the cars would complain about a cooler cockpit. Very brave chap from the Ferrari Challenge stood right in the middle of the two rows of cars there with a little handheld camera to get some great footage as the rows on left and right whistled past him. So all oh, the cars... we miscounted. Miscounted? Oh, oh. yeah. Here, here comes that Not... is the 087 car, isn't it? That is. Yes. You are correct. So that is Greg Peterson making his way out. So despite Greg's major problem being... Uh, Doug Peterson, isn't it? Uh, yes. Doug, Doug yes. Peterson. Doug despite Peterson. Doug's main problem yesterday being the uh, the puncture, maybe he's been fixing that overnight, and up until the very start of the race, it's been a long puncture to sort out. Now, he's not entirely sure where to go here. No, it Because was... the rest of the field shortcutted the, the sports car loop, and Doug now finally remembers the, the driver's briefing this morning and says, oh, I just need to stick to the speedway here. Well, and there, there was a very nice Marshall to point out that he should indeed oh, just good. go up onto the banking. So thank you, Mr. Marshall, or Ms. Marshall, for uh, helping him out there. And Doug now trying to catch up to the tail of the field as they are... He is now coming onto the backstretch. The rest of the field is coming underneath us in the tri-oval at the uh, current time. So One to go. One more pace lap. 
And then it'll be the start of the 2015 racing season in it Daytona. Will. And ah, this time they will go to the sports car loop, which I thought I would prefer to have done being a driver just to assess the track, you know, and the, the uh, section through the international speedway. As we were saying earlier on, Shay, the circuit will have changed only very slightly, but because of the Continental Tires Sports Car Challenge session, therefore more rubber will have gone down, but it's not Pirelli rubber, clearly. No, and, and it, it was only a short session, only uh, 20 minutes, but that still had 50-plus cars running around in those 20 minutes. That will make a difference in the grip level, which these guys experienced just over an hour ago. So they will have to uh, suss out the new pavement level of uh, grippability, if you will, how their car reacts. I, I'm an English major. Grippability, I'm to make I was up words. Um, <laughs> And uh, how well their car reacts. At least you didn't say normalcy. Hey. I, I know better than that. I remember the rants about that. But, uh, no, they, uh, they're, they're very calm. Just watch how, how calm Perez is. He is not darting back and forth trying to get heat in the tires yet. He'll be waiting until the last part of the lap to do that. Yeah. Very smart. Anassis is doing a little bit of that, but uh, Perez is right up behind the uh, pace car now as they head up onto the uh, banking of turn one. And we'll head down that long back straightaway, take their final trip a very before the green flag down that back straightaway very spaced out field at the current time uh, race control will be getting on the radios to the crew chiefs of the drivers at the back half of the field saying all right bunch up bunch up and telling the guys at the front slow it down a bit we want a good start here well the pace car is keeping a pretty brisk pace at this point as they bypass the bus stop and, and he'll slow down now as he heads into what is stock car turn three and that field will catch up to him as they are forming now two by two behind the pace car. The first two rows are uh, are set. Row three is now set. So uh, we should have a good side-by-side -side start. Doug Peterson has now caught up to the back of the field. So we should have a very clean start as they come down off of stock car turn four. And we'll head for the first green flag of the year and Johnny Palmer. Here they come then. We've been building up to this for the uh, last few days and the Ferrari Challenge guys in the driver's briefing this morning were, uh, well, had itchy feet, eager to get into their cars and start racing. We had a 45, sorry, a 30-minute session this morning rather to do more qualifying, but the cars now two by two as they come out of the final corner and head towards the line. The pace car, the safety car, heads back into pit lane, and that looks like a great start for Ricardo Perez as the green flag flies for the first time this weekend at Daytona. The two red Ferraris and a and Ferrano slotting in together and someone locking up way back in the field. Thankfully, although the car runs wide, it didn't collect anybody else, but that's not a great start to your race. And it will have to do a loop and rejoin. Wonderful start, though, from Mexican Ricardo Perez into the International Horseshoe Shay. I believe that was Scott Tucker who got the lockup, dropping him down from fifth to the last position on the field. He is now, ooh, as we have a spin in the infield. Who is that, Jim? It looks like maybe Gregory Romanelli, his car. It's the 19 car. It's the 19 car. And uh, Romanelli has spun again in trying to rejoin on the grass. So very, very slippery, clearly, in the weeds there. Needs to be careful not to clonk uh, Scott Tucker, who is rejoining. Chris Cagnazzi behind the wheel of the number 19 car. 
who uh, is from New York, Ferrari of Long Island represented there. He did have a lot of trouble getting going again, but no caution flag goes out. The yellows stay in, and we are still green. We are still racing as Ricardo Perez has a good lead now coming onto the back stretch. And Assis might just be that bit too far back to draft him and get anything good into the bus stop. Definitely will not be able to make an attempt at the lead through the bus stop and into NASCAR turns three and four. It should be Perez who leads this first lap. Who's going to be third, though, because uh, on the first few corners of this race, Gregory Romanelli has got the jump on John Ferrano, but Ferrano wants that place back again and was right on the boot lid as they break for the bus stop. Has there been a change as they come through Speedway Turn 4? Somebody going straight on. In fact, two cars. Was that contact over there? We had three cars go straight on through the bus stop, one of which is still stationary at the bus stop. It looked like he came to a halt, waiting for the proper time to be told to go again, and then just didn't get going again. A bit of smoke coming out of the front of that car, but he is stopped at the exit of the bus stop. Local yellow flying out there. He's made contact. The front uh, left quarter of the car is a bit deranged, and it's too far away even with these binoculars for me to make out a number. He might need to be... Numbers uh, need to be a little bit bigger. <laughs> he might Just need saying. to be picked up out there uh, by some sort of a rescue vehicle. But still, we are green. There is no full course caution, as the double yellows are in hand at the start-finish line, waiting to find out if they need to go. But it is still green as Ricardo Perez continues to lead. Well, he does, but only just. I mean, Anasis is, is keeping him honest through the international horseshoe and up to the western horseshoe there. Uh, so they're breaking away these two, and we kind of expected this from the qualifying session. They were night and day in front of the rest of the field, but look at the rest of the field. Oh, We've got four cars there, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth, heading into Speedway 1. The other car that was involved on the back straightaway is Barry Zickelman in the number 99 car. He's uh, a Copa Shell entry out of Toronto representing Ferrari of Ontario. He's made it back to the pit lane. He started second in the race today as well, so had a, uh, a good showing in qualifying yesterday. We'll be very disappointed that his season begins like this. Have a pass for third place. We do, and that's uh, Gregory Romanelli getting ahead of John Ferrano then. So the red car of uh, Ferrano down to fourth position and... Slightly different lines up there on the banking, the 32-degree banking that heads through turns three and four. This time, though, Ricardo Perez just a little further ahead of the second-place car. It seems to be on the infield that Emmanuel Anasis can close in on the white, red and green machine. Let's see how they break then for turn one. Similar lines from the top two. And actually, this time, Ferrano, having slipped to fourth position under pressure from James Whalen, who leads his class, let us not forget, to uh, Trofeo, Trofeo Pirelli Am classification, headed by James Whalen and Robert Hershevik. And Hershevik is right on his tail, so we've got a great battle for the lead in the AM category as they head through the International Horseshoe and make the run down to the infield kink and then the West Bend. So through that left hander they go. This time, Ricardo Perez got a little bit more time to think about his braking spot. He doesn't have a red Ferrari right underneath the rear wing. So Anasis hasn't had a, quite a good run through the first sequence of corners. And Scott Tucker still trying to make up ground. Went from the fifth position all the way back to 29th. Is now up to 26th. But keep in mind, we've had two cars not uh, continuing to pace around the track. So Scott, maybe not the best start that uh, he could have hoped for. But he's still trying. He hasn't just pulled in the pits and called it a day. Waylon and Herkovic 
Johnny got a great run out of the infield and are going to be able to carry a lot of speed down the back straightaway. They are nose to tail heading towards the bus stop. It'll be interesting to see if Herkovic stays in line. He does, which allows them to close right up on the fourth place car of Ferrano. In a different class as well. They, that was the Trofeo Pirelli category versus Wayland and Herchvik, who are in the AM class. So showing that the car is exactly the same and the driving skills may not be uh, too different either. Well, these are the front runners in the AM class, so they should be able to do pretty well. As now we're going to see Herkovic try an outside move as they come through the trioval and go right underneath us. Herkovic cannot get it done, and he'll try to do it under braking going into turn one. No, he falls into line and will remain second in class. Carlos Conde in the box seat, potentially in third position to pick up any scraps that might come his way. Scott Tucker is back in the race. The 55 machine that was in pit road very early on has rejoined. In fact, rejoins now, as I say that, over the dotted line. And out of the frying pan into the fire because he's now got something like 10 cars right ahead of him. Work your way through that lot, Scott. <laughs> well, for a 10-time national champion, that shouldn't be too hard. <laughs> May have to wait until they get back onto the banking, though, to close in on those machines as that great snake works its way through the western turn. Ricardo Perez with a pretty substantial lead at this point, and Assis is falling back into the clutches of Gregory Romanelli, and that could be a good battle as they go up onto the banking in NASCAR Turn 2. Romanelli should get a good draft off of Anasisa's car, especially coming into the bus stop. Uh, he should pull out and try and make a move just into that last possible second braking point. And, uh, coming into that in about four seconds' time. Only about two car lengths separate them. Now one car length as they head down the back straightaway. It looks like Romanelli is going to try, but uh, Anasis protects to the inside, so he'll hold the position as they go nose to tail through the bus stop and then back up onto the banking for uh, stock car three and four. And behind them continues that battle for first place in the AM class as now Romanelli is right on the tailpipes of Anasis as they exit the banking and will come through the trioval. And, of course, Ricardo Perez is just smiling, saying, yes, you two keep battling it out for a second. I'm just going to be up here running away with the lead. As he has about a three-second gap at this point. And Assis holding the defensive line into turn one. Romanelli has to settle for third still as this battle continues to rage on. And as they went underneath us, that battle for first place in the Teferro Pirelli Am class continues to uh, be nose to tail as now Carlos Conda has uh, has joined that party uh, along with Waylon and Herkovic. Herkovic went by the start-finish line. Actually, his nose just ahead of Waylon, but Waylon was able to reclaim the spot as they headed, as they uh, completed the turn off the banking and into the infield section. So even though scoring is showing uh, that uh, Herkovic led the lap, Waylon has gotten that position back. We're only eight minutes into this race. Whew. If they can keep up this intensity for another 25 minutes, we are in with a treat. As Ricardo Perez continues to lead the motor race, his best time so far, a 149.997. Not his qualifying pace of a 148.390, but still very, very quick race pace. Back down this the long back stretch they go the super stretch as it's called here as uh, the brakes uh, hard on on the brakes is uh, 
the red Ferrari as they glowed red as he uh, made the uh, left-hand turn into the bus stop. As, as uh, Anasis is holding him off. Romanelli is still trying. This has been a two-lap battle now where they have been nose to tail. Well, Gregory Romanelli has been on the tail of Emmanuel Anasis, and Anasis is just desperate to try and get Ricardo Perez back into his clutches. But with Romanelli so desperate to get by, it's just slowing them both down and letting Perez get even more of a gap to second place. As James Whalen leads that lap against Robert Hercevec, Hercevec still again trying to get by Whalen. We've got great battles all throughout the field. And down in our uh, Copa Shell category, it's Joe Courtney who is leading the way on that one. He has about five cars between he and second place Jean-Claude Sauda. So less of uh, an intense worry for him, but it is still very active in the Trofeo Pirelli category. Anasis now has some damage to the rear of that 458. He's got a uh, legality panel or something that's flapping. We'll try and take a look through the uh, binos here as they head up on to the uh, banking, that's kind of what made, caused me to clutch there. I saw the, uh, the flapping, flapping uh, body panel and wasn't sure I was believing my eyes, and indeed I should have. So he, has, uh, he's, he uh, has not lost any speed, but he is flapping some bodywork. Well, and if there's ever a track where you do not want aerodynamical drag, excess aero drag, it is Daytona where you are flat out for the majority of the lap on these bankings where you need all your downforce that you can possibly get, but you don't want any extra. And that flapping body panel, that bumper just hanging off, whatever it is, that will slow him down and partially explains why Ricardo Perez has been able to stretch out such a lead. Anassis again lighting up the brakes as they go into the bus stop. You could actually see it without the binoculars this time. Glowing, the front brakes glowing bright red as Perez comes underneath to lead another lap. And indeed, yes, he is dragging, dragging something. It's a, looks like black carbon. It may have been yeah. something that he picked up. Might not actually be a body part. It may be something, not, debris but, that he picked up. Just looked like possibly a little bit of rear diffuser maybe. Yeah, that that's away. what I thought, yeah. But... I'm not surprised because Anasis and Romanelli were very, very close on the previous lap. And what's that, what that served to do, as Shea has said, is to gift Ricardo Perez quite a lead. And it is something like uh, three seconds now that the Mexican leads by. And the three cars behind him fairly equally spaced. I thought for a while that the Anasis-Romanelli battle was allowing John Ferrano to peel back in again. One battle that just isn't going away, though, is the scrap between James Wayland and Robert Hershevik. It's still the silvery car ahead of the reddish machine. And, and, and now Arthur Romanelli has joined that party yeah. as he is right bumper. It's three cars. You can throw a blanket over him as they head up onto the banking. Yep, the battle involving Wayland and Hershevik are almost a, a champagne cork in the bottle, and it means that everyone else is uh, gathering up behind, although it's spaced out a little bit now as they head out onto the banking. Ricardo Perez then up the road and gone, but how will the other positions on the podium finish? It's still up for grabs between Anasis, Romanelli and Ferrano, second, third and fourth at the bus stop. 
Well, in Herchevik and Wayland, we're people who are familiar with the Ferrari Challenge Series are used to seeing those two battling it out. Second and third in the championship last year, Herchevik managed to get into P2 and Wayland in P3. The uh, guy who won the championship, Chris Rood, uh, elected not to return to the series this year, but uh, Herchevik and Wayland each eager to prove that they deserve to be the champion this year. In the AM class, last year it was Copachel. It was Copachel, yes. And again, Herchevik totally connected, more or less, to James Wayland as they head into turn number one, just a car length between them. Who will be the later of the two as they break for that left-hander? Well, Wayland actually gets a good exit out of the corner that time around and into the international horseshoe, so that will bide his, uh, or buy him a little bit more time. And again, three cars right behind. You speak of glowing brakes, there is a change of position, and that was, I reckon, uh, Mike Zoy or Damon Oki. Yeah, it was Damon. I think it was Damon Oki going okay. by Mike Zoy. Yeah, so that is a Trofeo Pirelli car overtaking a Trofeo Pirelli AM car. They're not different, different specifications in terms of machinery, but purely in the way that the drivers are divided up within the race. And Zoy then you, losing a position to Damon Oki, the 31 car overtaking the 8. Damon Oki, another one who was second in his championship in the Trofeo Pirelli last year, finished second to Ricardo Perez, both gentlemen returning to the series this year. But Ricardo Perez showing pretty firmly why he was the champion last year and why he deserves a win at Daytona so far has led every lap of this race. We're 14 minutes in, and he is just driving away with this one. Could be close by the end of this lap, or certainly on the next one, though, for second place again as Emmanuel Anasis trying desperately to wriggle free of Gregory Romanelli's grip, but he can't do it yet. And those two cars separated by about half a second as they come through Speedway Turn 4 and through the tri-oval. This time, James Whalen got a little bit of more space to deal with from him back to Robert Hershevek. That's the battle, remember, for Trofeo Pirelli AM category. Over the line they go. It's Waylon, Hershevek, Romanelli. And where was the place change then? It must have switched back again uh, into the International Horseshoe. We definitely saw an overtake. But Conde, Zoy, Oki and Imparato run in exactly the same order as they did a lap ago. Again, though, nose to tail between James Wayland and Robert Hershevik as they exit the International Horseshoe into the left-hand kink to the west turn. And three cars, well, certainly two cars totally together there for second and third. So this is where Gregory Romanelli is starting to turn the screw. We have 10 minutes of the race to go. Is that right? Yeah, 15 minutes in, 10 to go. How is that possible already? <laughs> Boy, by quickly. Time flies when you're having fun, Jake. Good Jay. Lord. <laughs> Ro Romanelli seems to be a little bit quicker through the infield, and then once they get up onto the speedway banking, Anasis is able to pull out a little bit. So Romanelli is going to have to try and stay as close as he can through the speedway portion of the course to try and be able to make a move once he gets into the infield. Otherwise, this is just going to be a frustrating session for him of trying as he 
is able to close right up on Anasis as they come through the bus stop. Only less than a car length separating them now as they go into Speedway 3 and 4. Romanelli is staying low right down on the yellow line. Anasis comes down and joins him now. But now maybe Romanelli is going to be close enough when they get into turn 1 to make something happen in the infield section. He's got the draft as they come by underneath us at our booth. Romanelli going to the outside line. No dodging back down. He stays in line. Frustrating him must just be. It, Jim, as you said, it, it must be counterintuitive, though, because he is fast through the infield. You would think that the second car in line would have the advantage going around the banking, just not having to punch that hole through the air, getting that little bit of extra toe. But no, in fact, it is Ennesis who is so fast around the banking, and Romanelli is just trying everything he can to get by still in that third position, though. Whatever was flapping at the back of Ennesis' uh, 458 Ferrari has now dislodged itself as uh, he guards the inside line going into the west hairpin and then they'll run make the short run down the short chute and then make the hard left-hand turn up onto the speedway banking of speedway turn one and Anasis is able to hold sway and then he gets a good drive and heads up onto the banking is able to pull out two car lengths just like that and John Ferrano right in the mix now in that fourth position. He has caught up to Gregory Romanelli. And the three of them are running with a little bit of space between them on the banking, but not even a car length between in the infield. We'll see Ferrano here trying to uh, make his way up onto the podium. He will want to start the season out right as well, but it won't be a question of going for first at this point. It's going for second or even third. Everything that Romanelli had made up on the previous lap, he has now lost, hmm. as he is now about four car lengths behind Anasis as they head through Speedway 3 and 4. Clearly the guys in timing and scoring are listening to us, because all of a sudden the time was adjusted then. Yeah. I thought this was a 35-minute race rather than a 25-minute <laughs> race. If we keep going, we might be able to get four hours out of this, you know. <laughs> we'll be here till 2 in the afternoon. So we still have... Uh, Tim's head would explode. <laughs> maybe, maybe. 12 minutes to go then. 18 and a half minutes into this race, and Ricardo Perez leading the way by a comfortable margin. 10 but laps gone. But 16 probably expected for the race distance. Is okay. that, yeah. uh, that what I remember reading? About right, I think. As again, the battle between second, third, and fourth place cars. Anasis, Romanelli, and Ferrano uh, does not abate, and the cars heading out of the international. Uh, horseshoe into the left-hand kink and then breaking for the west turn. Well, and Ricardo Perez, with a very comfortable lead, is not backing off in any way, shape, or form. His last lap was a 149.976, his best of the race so far. Just to give you some sort of relative information, Anasis, Romanelli, and Ferrano, the three guys behind him, their best laps came on lap 7, lap 3, and lap 8, respectively. So no one able to make the sort of pace that Ricardo Perez is doing, which got him into the lead initially and now is keeping him there. There's also a great swathe of cars heading through the west turn now with something like six in a gaggle there. That is from 16th position downward. So Brent Lawrence with a battle on his hands to keep behind him. Alfred Cayola, Jean-Claude Sada, John Baker, Mark Kwame and Dan O'Neill, and that really plays nicely into the hands of the Copper Shell leader because Joe Courtney isn't involved with all of that. He's way up the road, and his uh, op opponents within Copper Shell kind of caught up 
in that little scrap which is just heading around Speedway 2 now and some overtaking taking place as I say that. About a three-second lead now for Perez as he heads down into the infield section of the racetrack and then less than a second separating second, third, and fourth. And in fact, second and third are nose to tail as they make the left-hander into the infield section of the racetrack. Nice pass around the outside of the trioval there from Anthony Imperato. And that was on Damon Oki, I think. So the 91 car getting ahead of 31 for fifth position in class and we could still throw a blanket over the battle between Herchevec and Wayland as Wayland continues to lead but Herchevec not letting him get away the two of them running together all race I think we could just have that as a recorded <laughs> Herchevec and Wayland battle we, we could just say that over and over again because uh, it does not seem to be going away uh, your Trofeo Prelli am category fight for the podium uh, Arthur Romanelli and Mike Zoy behind little bit of space. Ooh, Romanelli goes underneath as they head up onto the banking and will take second place away from Anassis. This is the first time he's been able to get that close and he was able to get a great drive as he head up, headed, uh, pointed that Ferrari up the banking and has taken the spot. But can he hold it as they head down the back straightaway? And Romanelli is taking the inside line and kind of protecting as he turns into the bus stop. Yes, he will hold the position. Now let's see if he can pull away as he heads back up onto the speedway section of the racetrack going into speedway three and four. And Ennis there trying everything he can to get around Romanelli after the initial pass. But Romanelli was smart. He went all the way down to the yellow line and said, if you want to get by me, you're going to have to go the long way around. Now as he's coming out of NASCAR turn four, he left a little bit of room underneath knowing that Ennis was not close enough to make a move. Unfortunately, the same will not be said as they go into turn one. Ennis is close enough to try something, but I don't think he will. He'll sit back in line wait through the infield section and get a good draft coming onto the backstretch. He was ducking and diving in the uh, draft then of Romanelli though, just trying to maybe throw him a bit of a dummy to the right and then to the left, but stayed in line in the end and sits there in third position. What must John Ferrano be thinking here? Because uh, as those two scrap away just in front of him, he may be able to get on the podium by the end of the race. John Ferrano's probably uh, wishing that the other two would hit each other and move out of the way for him. Surely not. No, Surely no, no, not. No. It's all about sportsmanship in this uh, category of racing, I'm sure. James Wayland and Robert right. Mishevich. Right. That's what it says in the regs, Jim. <laughs> whether, it's, you know, whether that's born out on track, it might be an entirely different thing. Such a thing as the red mist, I think. True enough, yes. One, wonderful battle at the head of the order in the AM category, though. James Wayland cannot shake... Robert Herjavec. Romanelli goes wide as they exit that last left-hander up onto the banking, and he'll lose the position. He tried to uh, get on the power too early, ended up going wide as they, had, as they uh, made the left-hander up onto the banking, and he drops back to third place, and Assis takes over second one more time. This is a cracker of a battle. And Ferrano now with his claws bared saying, Romanelli, you can come back to me. I'll, I'll grab you. It's okay. I'll, I'll clutch in and I'll take that last podium spot as they come out of the bus stop now. Boy, we have Gregory Romanelli in second place for one lap and uh, won't last through the start-finish line again this time by, unfortunately, but doesn't mean he's done trying. Perez with a substantial lead, still pushing like crazy. 13 laps done for him now, his last time at 150.928.
the battle behind actually went about half a second faster. I find it interesting, Johnny, that both of the passes that we've had for second place haven't come under breaking, haven't come in the classic, uh, you know, outbreaking spots that you have on this racetrack. They have both come under power as guys have tried to get the power down and have either been able to do that successfully or not do that successfully, and it's cost them to position as they've headed back up onto the speedway portion of the course down in turn one. Such an important exit, though, coming out of turn five, isn't it? Because it uh, dictates your outright top speed as you then brake for the bus stop. The slingshot out of turn five and then through speedway turns one and two. So, so important, important to a good lap time. Let's see what the three of them will do this time around then because they will have learnt from the <laughs> passes that have happened already. And this time, leaving his braking for turn five very, very late indeed was Emmanuel Anasis, and I don't think he's going to get done this time around. If anything, Romanelli just a little bit too slow. Does that prevent, present an opportunity for John Ferrano? I think they're just a little bit too far away from each other this time around. But there's still time to go, four and a half minutes, so maybe another couple of runs through that corner. And that seems to be where all the overtakings come from so far, as you say, Jim. Yeah, we've got about three laps left, so they'll have three opportunities to try and make a pass that will stick and then carry on to the checkered flag, which is easier said than done on this very demanding racetrack. Turn six has proven to be the trouble spot all weekend with the... Uh couple of engines letting go there in uh, between Continental Tire and uh, the Tudor Championships. And again, it's been our passing spot in the Ferrari Challenge today. So we'll have to watch out at that corner for the rest of the racing during the day as well. They have spaced themselves out now. I suspect everyone's kind of cooling their tires and trying to save what they have left for a final dash in the last couple of laps. Still this fight between Carlos Conde and uh, Anthony Imperato continues on. They've uh, run through in different orders virtually every single lap. But it's Conde that has the advantage. This is for fifth position in Trofeo Pirelli Am category. There's a car that's just come into pit road. Is that Scott Tucker again in the 55? I believe it is. I think it yeah. is. So his car clearly a little unhappy. Running down in the 26th position overall, uh, Scott not having the day he, he wanted, having... Uh, he's made contact with the right rear. Mm. It's flat, and there is body damage back there as well. So I think it's day done for uh, Mr. Tucker. A race to forget, as it was, by the way, as we talk about Copper Shell very briefly, Rich Beak, who had the pole position start... Is no longer running, and Barry Zeckelman, who showed great pace in both qualifying sessions, with a, a second-place start in this one, a first-place start to look forward to tomorrow. But he didn't get any further than the opening lap either. That was all the cars yep. that came together at the bus stop, wasn't it? Yeah, that was uh, a, their day came undone on the first trip through the bus stop. One of them made contact. I think somebody spun, and then everybody else scattered trying to uh, to miss them. I believe I see where Mr. Tucker left his tire, uh, just outside of NASCAR Turn 4. It looks like there's a bit of debris right in the middle of the track, and uh, cars now, Ricardo Perez taking evasive action with that uh, tire carcass that's there, cars having to split it as they come by. And those two cars that split it were our second and third place cars, Anasis and Romanelli, as they continue to uh, hold position. No one has, uh, Anasis seems to have uh, settled into that second place. 
Herchevek and Wayland still running close together. Wayland going a little bit wide coming out of turn one, and Herchevek gets power down a bit sooner, but Wayland able to maintain that first position in class fifth overall. Romanelli has now closed right up on the tailpipe as they go through the International Horseshoe, but then under power, Anasis is able to pull out as they go through the kink. I think Anasis is able to get to use the torque, of that almost 400 foot-pounds of torque of that 458 to a little bit better advantage than Romanelli is. I don't know whether he's a little smoother on the throttle or what, but he seems to be able to pull away as, uh, oh, a little gamesmanship as Romanelli flashes the lights to, on him as they head through turn five and will head back up onto Speedway, banking one. Quick shout for Doug Peterson, who, as we know, started at the back of the field, 29th. He's running in 13th position now, you know. Just been overtaken by Mark Merso, I think. So that's down to 14th now for Doug Peterson. Did a good job to avoid the tyre carcass as well, which is causing another little uh, chicane for some of the cars to, have to make as they come out of uh, Speedway 4. Something else for them to be wary of. Now that everyone has passed that, though, they should know it's there. It's not going to be collected by a, a brave marshal. No Understandably. sense in calling a caution when there's only 34 seconds left in this race. So let the boys play it out. White and flag this time. The uh, starter has the white flag in hand. Ricardo Perez coming off of the banking of turn four. Sees the white flag. It's being held up. And he will be coming underneath it after he gets by the tire. Woo! And we have uh, Enesis and uh, Romanelli having to split it again. Not staying in line, as perhaps might be uh, customary, but instead still going for it hard as they can, battling for that second place. It will be a well-earned bottle of champagne for those two. This time, Carlos Conde threatening to overtake Damon Oki into turn one. Three cars absolutely together then. It's Oki, Conde, and Imperato. And... That is for the lower positions, 9th, 10th, and 11th. Some sort of cross-class racing taking place there as well because Oki is in Trofeo Pirelli proper and the other two are in the AM category, the middle class, if you like. Ricardo Perez about uh, 45 seconds away from his first win of this season, continuing on from last year and gaining those ever-valuable championship points to try and defend his uh, victory in last season where he came away with the Drivers' Championship firmly. 276 points to second place is 161. So it looks like we might be able to see much of the same this year from Ricardo Perez as we did last year with uh, lots of wins for that young man. Last couple laps, it looked like he was losing a little bit of ground to second and third place, but he's put the hammer back down in these final couple of laps and has uh, stretched out his lead as he comes through the bus stop. A little bit slow on the exit there, but he's back up to speed, it looks like, and he'll be uh, cruising to the checkered flag as we watch to see just what happens between second, third, and fourth. Now is the time, boys. If you're going to make a move, you need to do it coming out of this corner. But it looks like Romanelli is too far back to try and make the pass on Anasis for second place. But Ferrano thought about going for third. He is also too far back. We'll finish in the fourth position. And the four finishers having to deal with a slow car on the line as well, which caused a slight hazard. Everybody else then pouring out of speedway turn four. And this is the fight involving Damon Oki, Carlos Conde and Anthony Imparato. And they head over the line to finish in that order, in fact. Oki, Conde and Imparato, uh, ninth, 10th and 11th. 
I did think that Emmanuel Annecy's hadn't had a good run out of turn five, actually, and maybe on that final lap, Gregory Romanelli might have had a chance, but in the end, it stayed pretty static to see Romanelli finish in third, Annecy's in second, but Ricardo Perez is going to take some stopping in tomorrow morning's race. The number one takes the win. And James Whalen and Robert Herkovic continued their uh, battle to the checkered flag with Whalen taking the AM category prize. And it looks like Jean-Claude Sada will take the uh, Copa Shell honors as he benefited from the two gentlemen that started in front of him having uh, trouble when they got to the bus stop. He has indeed taken the checkered flag. Which is and a change from what we saw in the race because Joe Courtney, who led the class the entire race through, had to come into the pits on the final lap. So 15 laps completed for Joe Courtney versus 17 for everyone else in the class. It will be Jean-Claude Sada who takes the win. Dan O'Neill from Ferrari Fort Lauderdale got his first ever race start here last year. Now he gets a podium as well in the second place. And in third in Copa Shell, Chris Cagnazzi. And it kind of went uh, real up and down for Doug Peterson, started at the back of the field, got as high as, I think, 13th, but then didn't head over the line at the end of the race, had to come into pit road. And the team are now looking at the, the yellow and red car to try and assess what the problem is. So is classified as a finisher, Doug Peterson, but down there in 21st position in amongst the copper shell cars. We saw some good battles today, and we should mm. uh, continue to see that throughout the day, but even more tomorrow when we have a slightly different starting grid than what we saw today. Ricardo Perez winning from pole position. Tomorrow we'll have a bit more work uh, starting from third, whereas uh, Emmanuel Anasis will be the first one on the grid in the morning, and uh, he will be eager to try and improve his position by one. Certainly some interesting stories to follow and uh, I'll try in the intervening period between now and tomorrow's race to try and delve a little deeper into the paddock and get some stories that we can uh, relay then during the race. But the great long line of Ferraris now turning left way before the trioval to head back into their paddock area and much conversation will now ensue, I'm sure, once they all get out of their car. They'll have a little private uh, trophy presentation, I understand. And of course, that takes a fair while now because there are now three podiums for 2015 to get through. And a fair bit of bench racing will start until tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but hopefully not too much uh, panel beating necessary uh, after a little bit of contact here and there. Scott Tucker with... Well, the bit between his teeth, you sense, for tomorrow's race, because that one just did not get started for him after a problem into turn one, either out breaking himself or something giving way on the car, and it meant that he couldn't turn in at turn one, and that was pretty much his race done. So he'll be looking to... Scott Tucker and Rodney Randall are really the only ones that come out of this race with uh, any damage that we could see. Okay. Randall was one of the cars that was involved at the bus stop that yeah. has the in the blue uh, 458 that's down there in the pits with his, his hood askew and crumpled up. That gets expensive. I was going to say, there'll be some bills to pay then, therefore, for yes. those drivers. But, uh, but first, bottles of champagne to be had in that indeed. paddock. Indeed, yes. And as I say, that will be done, uh, not exactly privately, but over within the Ferrari area of the paddock. That brings to a close then our first race of the week. And what a great uh, event it was. 35 minutes of Ferrari Challenge North America racing. Round one of the series done and dusted and it'll be round two tomorrow morning uh, from Jim Roller, from Shay Adam and from Johnny Palmer. For the moment, it's bye for now from IMSA Radio. This programme is a production of IMSA and Radio Show Limited. For more, 
visit radiolamont.com.